Hello, my name is Mukuka Chipanta, and I'm a Zambian author and aerospace engineer. Welcome to the second season of my podcast, Kutika, Modern African Stories. Each time, I introduce you to a short story written by me and performed by different narrators. I'd like to thank all of my listeners for the overwhelming support received in our first series. If you have not yet listened to it, please take some time to do so and remember to post a review. It really helps with our sponsors. In series two, I have a special treat for you with the story of love, longing, and kindness, which I hope will resonate with you on a deeply personal level. The story is entitled, One Stranger to Another, and features two wonderful performers, Miss Muzala Shimukowa and my very own sister, Saka Chipanta Sega. One Stranger to Another by Mukuka Chipanta, part four. In the last episode, we learned about Betty Chushi's son and how he was the pride of the village after having excelled in the national school examinations. An entire village rallying to put money together to make sure the boy left on a scholarship to attend a prestigious boarding school in the city. Now, she must find her boy. Abel rubbed his chin in silence as he mulled over Mama Betty's words. For the past half hour, Betty had opened up to him about the reason for her sojourn to the big city. So, so there's been no word? No word at all on where he might be? He asked. Betty shook her head solemnly. Hearing Abel ask the question, ignited a sickening feeling in the pit of her stomach. How could it be that no one knew where her son was? She recalled asking Pastor Lusambo repeatedly through tears when he had shown her the letter from the school. The pastor said he had no further information to share, but promised to call the school as soon as he traveled to Kasama on the following Monday. He asked her to remain calm and keep praying. All would be well, he had assured her. He promised to get to the bottom of it. But how could she sit and wait? How could a mother remain calm upon receiving such news? Abel folded a fist over his mouth. Hmm, that is very strange. Very strange indeed. Kitwe is a big place, and a young boy could... He stopped himself, realizing that his words would only serve to heighten her anxiety. Abel leaned back into his chair silently and gathered his thoughts. I've lived all my life on the copper belt. I was born in Chingola, but spent most of my childhood in Kitwe. So... I know it well. 
He paused. It's a good thing that you have traveled. And where will you stay when you arrive, my sister? Before Betty could answer his question, a radio in the back of the bus suddenly sparked to life, interrupting their conversation. She shifted in her seat. Something inside of her made her reticent to share the details of her arrangements with a stranger, regardless of how friendly he seemed. I... I have relatives, she responded vaguely. The truth was she did not have a place to stay in Kitwe. Fearing attempts to dissuade her from travelling alone to Kitwe, she had left the day before she was due to meet with Juliet to obtain the address of her husband's family. That is good. At least you have people who can look after you and help you search for your son. The look on his face spoke of someone who feared the worst, but was making every attempt to sound positive. Betty turned towards the window. It was now dark outside. She closed her eyes and tried to focus on happy memories of Pasco and her sharing an evening meal with the sound of the vast countryside gentle on their ears. Pastor Elijah Lusambo sat in his armchair in quiet contemplation. There was a Bible to his right, placed on top of a wooden stool. He was troubled by what he had just learned from one of his congregants, Mama Juliet Nsapato, a woman he knew to be Sister Betty Chushi's closest friend. She had asked to speak to him privately after the Sunday service. Mama Juliet had spoken softly, concern riddled in her voice. She was worried that her friend Mama Betty had not shown up for church. She had gone on to explain that she had visited Betty at her home and that Betty appeared to have been heavily distressed about her son. She had talked about wanting to travel by herself to Kitwe in search of him. Juliet explained that she had implored her friend to wait for word from Pastor Lusambo before taking any rash actions. Pastor Lusambo was struck by a wave of guilt. He felt responsible for the anguish that Mama Betty Chushi was experiencing. This was not how things were supposed to have turned out. All he had wanted was for a son to have an opportunity to study at one of the finest schools in the country, one that could propel him towards a brighter future. Why had things turned out this way? He did not hear his wife enter the room and was only shaken out of his reverie when she spoke. What's on your mind, Balsambo? It seems something is troubling you. Mabel asked as she lowered herself onto her knees in a manner dictated by tradition. They had been married for three years now, but still she found it difficult to fully be herself around him. Perhaps it was due to her anxiety born from the fact that despite all of their attempts, 
she still had not birthed the child. Pastor Lusambo raised his head. Oh? I didn't hear you enter. You seem to be lost in thought. What is it that is troubling you, my husband? Elijah struck the air in front of him. It's... it's nothing. Just the usual challenges of tending to the Lord's flock. Nothing for you to worry about. Mabel let it go. She clapped her palms together softly. Your meal is ready. Thank you. I'll join you shortly. Mabel nodded her head and quietly made her way out of the room, leaving the door ajar. Pastor Lusambo sat for a few more seconds before he killed his fingers over the arms of his chair and rose to his feet. He knew he needed to do something to help Sister Betty, but what? He did not know yet. The bus came to a noisy halt. A bank of lights in the center of the carriage turned on, followed by loud hissing sound before the doors opened. It was dark outside, and many of the passengers had been sleeping. Kapiri! The conductor yelled in a husky voice. Tuafika pa Kapiri! The voices of street peddlers eager to sell their wares could be heard from beyond the doors of the bus. Betty straightened herself in her seat. She had been awake the whole time, unable to quell her anxious thoughts. Basista, do you want to go outside and stretch your legs for a few minutes? Abel asked. I can watch over your things for you, if you want. Betty instinctively tightened her grip on her bag nestled in her lap. It was all the luggage she had carried with her. No, I'll stay inside. It's only for a few minutes. Abel gave a nod before picking himself up from his chair. He angled himself to a standing position by pressing his elbows against the two seats on either side of him. He waited as some of the other passengers funneled through the aisle and out of the bus. Before leaving, he turned to Betty again. Can I at least get you something to eat, my sister? Or maybe a drink? Coca-Cola? Water? Betty shook her head. No, thank you. I'm fine, but thank you. The conductor issued a stern warning from the front. The bus would be leaving in ten minutes and it would not wait for anyone. Are you a Zambian living abroad and looking to invest in real estate back home? Are you thinking of owning a home in the motherland but tired of hearing the horror stories of shoddy building projects and the lack of proper accounting for the money you send to friends and family? Well, 
finally, there is a solution. Afrispore Developments. Afrispore Developments is a registered infrastructure development company focused on providing a world-class design and construction service that you can trust. With offices in Lusaka and Melbourne, Australia, Afrispore has over 15 years of architectural design and construction experience in a variety of sectors including residential, office, retail, healthcare, and interior design. Afrispore's professional project managers ensure flawless execution of building projects on the ground while providing full transparency in financial accounting. For more information, visit www.afrispor.com spelled A-F-R-I-S-P-O-R-E Afrispor Developments Creating infrastructure that is proudly and uniquely African. Pastor Lusambo sat quietly at dinner. His plate of shima and bokabuka fish scarcely touched. Balusambo, are you not enjoying the food? Nalimosot inaifrisha? Is there too much salt? Mabel inquired. No. No. The food is fine. I'm enjoying it. His assurances rang hollow. Ah, but you are not eating. Lusambo bowled a dollop of pap in his palm before dipping it into a pool of gravy. He paused with the bowl held between his fingers above his plate. Thoughts of Sister Betty and her son had erased what little appetite he had left. Earlier in the day, after speaking to Sister Juliet Sabato, the two of them had gone to Betty Chush's home, which lay a few kilometers away and tucked behind a secluded bluff. As feared, she was nowhere to be found, leaving them to conclude that she had started on her journey to Kitwe. Now, as he sat in his chair, Lusambo could not escape his guilt. He was the one who had written to the principal of Mpelembe, asking him to admit the boy, and he had convinced Sister Betty to send her son so far away from his home, from surroundings familiar to him, without regard to whether or not the boy was ready. Now, here they were, a boy gone from the community, and a mother tearing apart in search of him. Balusambo, Kanshi, what is it? What is troubling you? Elijah lowered his fingers onto his plate and rose slowly to his feet, pushing the chair from underneath him. I must travel to Kasama. Mabel stared at her husband, unsure of what to say. What has happened, Valsambo? It's Sister Betty Chushi. She has traveled in search of her boy, 
I must help her. Mabel sat silently. I, I must go to her aid. There is someone in Kasama that might be able to help. Mama Betty sat up in a seat. She peered through the window and saw a bank of small breeze block homes with metal roofs. There were men and women walking along a dead path that stretched parallel to the puckered tarmac. She heard someone say in a loud voice from somewhere in the back of the bus. Her heart skipped a beat. She had heard many stories about the old mining city, the hub of the Copper Belt province, where people walked fast and talked even faster. Many a tale had been told about how humble village folk, like her, had fallen prey to the machinations of Avena Kitwe Bakopala. The reputation of folks from the Copper Belt, and in particular Kitwe, preceded them. They were not to be trusted. They soon reached an underpass with overgrown shrubbery on either side of the road. The driver lowered his speed as he navigated past a particularly bad patch of road that was nestled with potholes. Yeah, When will they ever fix these roads, eh? The roads in Kitwe are so bad that people are forever damaging their vehicles. Abo lamented in the seat next to Mama Betty. Betty turned her head towards him. How far away from Kemubi Station? Ah, no more than 15 minutes. We'll be there soon. Betty faced the window again. She looked up to see what appeared to be a large, dark mountain to her left, looming over the horizon. There looked to be a rail track lining the top of it. Plumes of grey smoke bellowed into the sky. That's Black Mountain, Abel said, preempting the question that was on Betty's lips. That was all the waste the slag from the copper mines that was poured over the years. Back then, they thought of it as simply waste, but now, ish. He shook his head. Now I tell you, Lee Sampo, everyone wants a piece of it. People say there are rich mineral deposits right there inside that waste, eh? Amachainese, Indians, Europeans, you name it. They are all fighting for it. Betty stared at the imposing man-made feature. Black in color, it marred the landscape like a giant pimple, ugly and unwanted. She reached into a bag and for a few seconds, she rummaged through it before pulling out a fading photograph of her boy when he was six years old, dressed in a school uniform. His starched shorts 
hovered loosely below his knees. Mama Betty closed her eyes and prayed underneath her breath. Mwele sana, papata. Take care of my boy. Please, please bring him back to me safely. This story continues in the next episode. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave us a rating or post a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me at Chipanta Mukuka on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out my website, mukukachipanta.com, for updates and information about my upcoming events. Until next time, stay tuned.